This is DWMOD. That's Disagree With Me or Don't. I'm your host, Mikey Wilson, and we're back for another episode. Uh, it's 4th of July weekend here, guys, so that's your right as an American, I guess, is to disagree with me or don't. But as an American, I want you to be right, so why don't you disagree with me? Anyway, uh, this week's guest, a good friend of mine, Brett Gunnell from the Second City family. Uh, he and I knew each other back in Detroit, uh, Second City, and we're going to talk about that, talk about some of the old days back in Second City. Brett's going to fill us in on what it's like to work on some of those cruise ships that uh, Second City used to have a deal with. Talk about when the original theater closed in Detroit and then when they closed Novi and a lot of similarities there. Um, still trying to snag uh, Old English 800 as that sponsor, but they are not catching on. Anyway, we were enjoying a few of those tasty beverages out in an open park as we recorded this episode in L.A. We're also going to talk about a show that we do together here in L.A., Second City, uh, called Flying Chuck. It's Brett's baby. He put this thing together years ago, and it's it's an awesome show. It's really smart. It's fun. It's an improv show that combines improv and professional wrestling. We'll have a professional wrestler on the show. Uh, he'll come on, tell stories from the road, stories from his past or whatever, and then uh, the cast will improvise based on those stories. Always a good turnout. Always a fun crowd when professional wrestling fans come out to see a comedy show. It's always pretty interactive, and it's a lot of fun. Also, we will be bringing this show to the Detroit Improv Festival. Uh, that's going to be August 6th through the 11th. I believe right now we're scheduled for a Wednesday, Thursday night shows, two shows, uh, a big, big WWE star is going to be hosting both of these shows. Can't give you that information just yet, but it is definitely somebody current and definitely somebody that you do know. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'll keep you posted. Going to want to come and check out that show. It's going to be part of the Detroit Improv Festival. Stick close to the Twitter at DWMODpod, and I'll keep you posted about that. We're both big uh, sports fans, big sports nuts, both uh, Cleveland Browns fans. I'm a diehard Lions fan at heart, but I've always been a big Cleveland Browns fan since I was a kid. Love those old teams, and we'll talk a bit about their future this year. Talk about what it's like to sit in a suite at a game. If you ever really done that, and if you've kind of been tricked by that. This episode was recorded right before the end of the NBA Finals, so this is pre-free agency and pre-KD's injury, and we'll discuss some of what we thought was going to happen, and you'll see some of that we are dead on about. You will see, though, that we were pretty spot on with the information we received around L.A. about that Anthony Davis deal and what was going to go down, like we were the only ones that knew that was going to happen. Anyway, we'll talk a bit about the WWF and the WWE. Uh, both of us big time wrestling fans, and we'll get into we'll get into talking top five. Who's your favorite wrestlers, and uh, you know who really had a hold of you as a kid? Sometimes not always the most famous people. And Brett has an awesome story about when he got to meet and perform with one of his all time heroes of wrestling, Roddy Roddy Piper. And he got to perform with him in a show at Second City. And it's a pretty hilarious story. Pretty funny, pretty fitting, pretty true to Roddy. If you know Roddy, this thing's dead on and you'll be entertained by it. Also want to take a second to congratulate former guest and also castmate of Flying Chuck, uh, Ryan Nemeth, for finishing up his uh, Seed and Spark to put his movie together. Uh, he's putting together a movie that takes place in the professional wrestling world called Heel. Uh, raised over $66,000, I think, on the Seed and Spark. Uh, we were happy to help here from the show, and I just want to thank anybody who, who is a follower of the show that jumped on that Twitter post and, and checked out the Seed and Spark and also donated to the film. Uh, big thanks to you for making that happen for him. He's a great dude. This is going to be a really good movie, and we're excited about that project for him. 
Uh, one final note just want to fill you in on is a buddy of mine from college. Um, he was actually a baseball player. TJ Cook is opening himself up a distillery. That's right, Michiganders. He's moved back to Michigan. He's on the west side of the state, and he's opening up a distillery called Gold Lake Distilling Company. Um, some more details are rolling in, but he just, uh, hit me up on the Twitter and let me know that they got their federal licensing and everything is all cleared, getting ready to open real soon here, probably late, uh, end of the summer. I think sometime, maybe this month or so we'll keep you posted, but it's supposed to have four lanes of bowling, old sixties, uh, just retro style where you set the pins and the balls roll back. It's supposed to be a real throwback. Anyway, that's going to be, uh, in a town called Galesburg. It's right between Battle Creek, Kalamazoo. Anyway, we're going to get you some more details, though, because TJ's an awesome dude. He's always been a close friend of mine, great guy, and we'll fill you in with when that's going to open up. But I expect that to be nothing but tip-top. He's always been a big connoisseur of liquor, so I'm sure he's going to distill something really nice for you guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy the show. Here's uh, me and Breckenell. Okay. That's it, man. Hey, we man. got the beers ready. We got everything yeah. set up. Yeah. So welcome to the show. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> going well, going well. Here with my buddy uh, Breckenell. And um, we met years ago in Detroit. Yes. Um, Second City, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, now, you were an instructor back then when I was first just starting yeah. out, yes. really. And I think we might have missed each other as far as training center-wise by maybe like maybe like one generation, though, right? Like yeah. Because right, I right. think you guys were all graduating when a lot of us had left. Well, you got, or, yeah. Everybody yeah. was pretty much on their way out and then like that would have been the point where it was like um, understudy territory. For me, you guys were already all gone and Mm -hmm. and moved on to Chicago and doing cruises and things like that. Mm -hmm. You did a lot of the cruises, right? I did three of them. Okay. But over with the spaces in between, you know, it was two years total, but one calendar year on a ship and one off. So that's the way that that works. Right. So uh, I would do the the, uh, contracts were 16 weeks. And then I would take a few months off and then do another one. And then I took like six or seven months off and then did the third one. Okay. Now, yeah. a lot of people don't even know what that entails. So let's jump right into that because the cruise ships are interesting as hell. Because back in the day for yeah. me, I was like, you know, wife and kids. I was working at a fire department. I was like, God, I'd love to do one of those cruise ships. Yeah. But then you guys would all come back and be like, those cruise ships are a nightmare, dude. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they were. I would rate them in the order that I did them. My first one was the best, the second one was pretty good, and the third one was awful. Uh, it, I mean, if you go through Detroit Main Stage and you're, you're essentially making just enough money to live on, if, yeah. if not even that. Right, so, right. you know, you can maybe pay 90% of your bills and have to roll the 10% over to the next month right. and then not pay, you know, that one, uh, the, the, you know, if you're paying the heat one month, you're not going to pay it the next type right. of a thing. Uh, so then when the idea that this cruise ship came up, um, you know, it essentially doubled the amount of money that I was making, cut my work schedule down to less than five hours a week. You know, I had never done much traveling ever in my life. And now I'm sort of circumventing North America through Central America, like from Alaska through the Panama Canal, all the way up the other side to Quebec City, you know, Canada. I mean, it was great. That part yeah. of it, the travel is phenomenal. Very cool. Yeah. That was pretty but really cool. The, Tax-free know, money or no? Not tax-free, no, but like, uh, but there, you know what I mean? It just every, every, you know, week is you, you know, yeah. just direct deposit into your account and then, you know, just get the party never stops. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I bet. 
uh, and we had this thing where like you could only use your room card as as all currency on the ship. So you'd just be throwing that thing around all the time, and next <laughs> the, thing you know, four hundred dollars comes out of your right. account. You're like, what? You know, you guys ever dispute those? Like, someone had my room card. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you're like, there's no way I spent four hundred dollars in two days. Yeah, you know, but and then, then they, they pulled up the security video, and yeah, they're and like, that's you yeah. at the table right there. You went to the steakhouse three yeah. times. <laughs> we weren't <laughs> allowed you. to go to the casino. You That's weren't. The, okay. we, we weren't even allowed to walk through it. But that That's is how. a pyramid of Miller Lights in front of you, sir. Is yeah. that a, at nine dollars a piece? That's four hundred dollars, right? We, and we had got half off on drinks too. So oh, that nine dollar one was four fifty for oh, us. Beautiful, so, yeah. beautiful, but beautiful. All of that adds up still. But the first one was great. I never did much traveling. I ended up that uh, cruise ship working with uh, Chris Witoski and Vanessa Bear. Okay. You know, and they were both starting out with Second City, pretty young. Another guy named Brett Lyons, uh, Jesse Case, who went on to be the main stage and ETC musical director. And then uh, this other young lady, Molly Durand, uh, who I think she's still out here in L.A. So it was like none of us had ever done anything like this before. And we had a I mean, just a phenomenal time because we got along really well together as well. Second one, same thing. I, I worked with people from Detroit, uh, Molly, or not Molly, Margaret and John, Edward Towski. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and All then right. my good buddy, Jason Bieber, uh, and then Mandy Price. Yeah, Jason there. Bieber. Oh. Yeah. I... yeah, he does have a brother named Justin, though. Okay. So, uh, right. I assume he's older than the Justin Bieber everybody knows. But that one was great. Uh, Warzeka was the director of that, so that okay, entire Mark. cruise ship. Right. I didn't have one script to learn. It was just all, I, everything Beautiful. I did was improvised. Uh, and then the third one was the only one I was on where the cast didn't get along. So that makes it very because uh, you're you're you know that's it. The cruise ship is it, man. That you don't get to go like outside of that, and you know you're there with these other people. Uh, sort of like you've got to yeah. be with them every week. You got to do the shows with them. You got to right, do right. workshops. You know, you eat uh, together a lot. And if they're not getting along, you know, it's uh, it's really painful. That can so, be a nightmare. It is. It is. So after that third one, I was ready to be done. But you know, plus I was with you know my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, for the entire time I was doing cruise ships too. So you know, it puts a strain on a relationship to sure, be away sure. like that all and the time. And she was in Chicago at the time, correct? Or, uh, or yeah, she was in Chicago for the first two, and then she had moved out here. Oh. So before I did the third one, I was actually out here for a while and then left and did one more and then came back and called it quits after that. Okay, all right. Yeah. And for those who may not know, uh, you know, who are listening to this, that your wife is... Amy uh, Phillips. Amy Phillips yeah. of the Bravo Housewives uh, Impersonation yeah. fame and has her own radio show on... Sirius XM. Sirius XM yeah, yeah. Network, and she's doing really well. There are people that I, like, back in Detroit when I go and see that are such big fans of that stuff mm-hmm. that when I tell them I know Amy, they don't believe me. And I'm like, you know, Amy's from here and from like the Second City family and stuff, right? And they'd be like, no, you know. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't. I, yeah, this thing's huge. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to help her. Uh, you know, I direct and co write a lot of the videos with the idea of like, it's almost like I have no idea who these people are. She just tells me bullet points and then I come up with jokes and help her height and stuff like that so we've been doing the videos for years right, right. which eventually led into the radio show which led into uh, like a web series and everything so like you know Bravo's been very good to us 
uh, yeah. with the idea that hopefully they'll be better to us soon. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, so, I assume they will. I yeah. assume they will because that stuff is very popular and you yeah, guys do yeah, it very yeah. well. Yeah. And her, really her show is is very popular on, on Radio Andy as well, too. That's so great. That's they, cool. She was doing two days a week, and now she does five days a week. So That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And then now, so the cruise ships, once you were done with that, you moved out here. Uh, Permanently. The, to L.A. Yeah. Permanently. Yeah, yeah. Right. So back in Detroit in Second City now, when a lot of us were coming up, like, right behind you guys, um, that was the cast that everybody was – going to see because it was like the shows were phenomenal you know what i mean thank you well it it was you know like we we were going to see like we had saw some shows when we first started out but then like when you guys all took the reins like um you and uh tara night at the time Mm -hmm. it's just tara rays now you and tara excuse me and jamie moyer and tim robinson quentin quentin hicks and like that cast was so loaded like we would go watch the shows and be like ah fuck i'm quitting maybe that's why they had to shut down you I, know nobody you know. wanted to come up afterwards well i mean thank you for saying that but we we were told that quite a bit coming up like when we all got that stage that you know there was a lot expected out of us uh you know whether we got to where they thought we were going to get or where we got to where we thought we would get you know that's you know Remains to be seen, I guess. But the idea that it eventually closed, I would hope, had nothing to do with us because, you know, it. I, I think I left in 2008, and I think the place didn't officially close until 2010? It was 2010, yeah. I can tell you firsthand, because you okay. guys had left, and they were bringing the rest of us along, and, you know, without getting to in, into a lot of the schematics of it, it, were, it was a thing where it was like a couple of people were okay you guys are next in line and and then that cast had moved on and they put other people into um you know main stage positions but didn't let them do a show yet yeah and brought in some traveling shows as they said you guys are preparing to do the main stage show and then told some of us other one people that like okay you're gonna be the new understudies and then there was just this big meeting out of nowhere and they're like eh, we're closing the doors we've known for a while to be to be quite honest, that's kind of how it happened in downtown. Because when I first got hired, I I got hired at the downtown uh, Second City before it moved to Novi uh, as an understudy, and everybody sort of thought everything was hunky dory. And then we did the best of ten year review, and then everybody thought that that actually went really well. I don't know that I mean. It sold really well. It always seemed pretty well attended to me because I would go to those shows all the time yeah. to just as a just to see them. Um, and then Nancy was in Chicago. Nancy Hayden uh, at the time she was a producer. She was producing Detroit from Chicago because she uh, lived out there. And she did like a huge conference call with everybody. Like I'm sure the main stage cast and the office people separately, but then the tour co and the understudies and essentially yeah. told us all they were locking the doors on that place. But with Bummer. the idea it was going to reopen in Novi in a year, which is what they told we, us. And it did. That and was and eh, I think it might have been a hair longer, but it, you know, yeah. it did. And the, the uh, training center wasn't closed super long at all before it reopened again. Yeah. Uh, so that was, yeah. you know, that was that. I will say this with the cruise ships and the the last uh, main stage process. So the last show I did there was called Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, and it was at, a great one. That's great. You, thank you. <laughs> and that at the hilarious. end of that, Tim was leaving, 
Uh, and then Quentin was going to leave at the end of that show. And uh, I had had meetings with Nate, the producer at yes. the time. And he had asked me, because I was actually going to leave as well. And he had actually, we had talked about me sticking around and doing one more. Uh, because if anybody knows Quentin and Tim, I yeah. mean, they're two of the I mean, greatest character actors and, yes. you know, comedic improvisers yes. of all time. Heavyweights. So I often was am put in the straight man position when I'm playing with them that I'm not, I don't do very often no, right. outside of that, sure. you know. But when you're working with those two, you have not, not they're fantastic and they're yeah. completely giving players. You got to get in where you fit in when right, those right. two are doing their thing. But a lot of the times, I, I, I'm the setter and they're the spikers, and that's fine. But yeah. uh, Nate had told me, you know, I want you to stick around so that you can have some fun with a couple of new people. I think, he, you know, I don't want to ruffle any. I, I, I It might have been. Tim McKendrick and Sobolewski that were going to go up. I, I think uh, it was Sobolewski and McKendrick and maybe Peacock, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Maybe Adam Peacock was, probably would have been right been behind. Behind those actually, guys. Peacock maybe would have replaced me if okay. after I left. Yeah, but you're dead on with. I think it was McKendrick and Sobolewski yeah. had moved into that. And yeah. and he he was like, all right, well, you know, you know, have some fun. You're, you'll be the veteran guy, and and you know, like let's see what you can do now. You know. Uh, and then I started getting these uh, calls and emails from uh, Beth Kligerman, who was the head of talent for Second City at the time right. in Chicago. And she offered me this cruise ship job. And I'm like, you know, I'm on the main stage. Why would I want this cruise ship job? So I would, you know, I respectfully turned it down. Then a couple of weeks went by. She would send me another email. Sure. And she's like, just want you to know I'm sort of holding this thing for you if you're interested. Yeah. And I'm like, Beth, thank you so much. But I'm going to do one more process and then I'll probably leave after that. And a couple weeks go by. She sends me the same thing. Yeah. She's like, well, doors closing on this, but I'm going to leave it open a little bit longer for you. And I'm like, Beth, I can't do it. I'm sticking around for one more show. Then we get the notice that the yeah. Second City's not doing yeah. another original review. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So then I uh, email her back, like maybe a day later, and I'm like, any chance that cruise ship still available? And she goes, yep, was holding it for you. I knew this was happening, so yeah, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted you to have this that's opportunity, hilarious. but I couldn't tell you why until yeah. it actually closed, or, or that you found out it was going to close. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that yeah, I had sort of like a. I don't want to call it a golden parachute to leave, but it certainly right, right. was an opportunity to go from being a professional actor to at least staying that way. Yeah, it's nice to be taken care of. Yeah, it nice was to be nice. taken care of. Yeah, but it does feel like it was the same same uh, process when they closed down Novi. Like they called us all into the restaurant. Yeah, and were you at that meeting? Or you were I gone wasn't. Already? I was gone. You were already, gone. Already. Yeah. They called us all into the restaurant, and we're sitting there at the restaurant, and the guy that owned the place that I guess was the main partner or whatever. Dan. I guess. Yeah. He sat down and gave us the most ridiculous like um, explanation as to why it was happening. And it was, he tried to blame it all on like the process. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, um, I have chefs in the back. And if I ran my restaurant, like I ran this theater and told everybody, come in for these like experimental uh, dishes every week and some of the ones that are good we'll keep and if they're not very good then eh we'll get rid of them if I did that I wouldn't have a restaurant and we were all like that doesn't 
Yeah. Like that's not even I get where you're drawing that parallel to the process to putting a review together, but we all looked at him like, well, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, like And we you know, like the process is eight weeks and it, you put up what you have done in eight weeks in Detroit. I yeah. think in Chicago, they massage that a little bit. They shoot for eight weeks, but if it takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit longer. But yeah, the, the process was tough and we were often sort of like nudged to speed it up or, or, or to not cut stuff out of the, you know, like the, the whole idea of it is, is you do the review, you do the review, you do the review, you go into the process, you immediately start cutting stuff out of the regular show to replace it with new things that you're working on. Right. So by the time that you're six weeks into the eight week process, you're still sort of working under the umbrella of Night of the Living Debt. But the show's completely different, different at that point. Every time. Right. right, right. And it's exciting. And if it's if it's pitched that way and if it's marketed that way to be like, oh, come see, you know, this show's evolving. You know, you could see it three times in the next few weeks and, and it'd be different. be different every time. Different you know every what time. I mean? Yeah. Or you'll watch stuff that, you know, that may have struggled the first time, either get better or it's completely yeah. gone, you know, because yeah. we had, we sort of went by the, the, concept like it would get a couple of chances and if it didn't work it was gone so uh it there was nothing to be like and the shows were usually they're they're still good because you don't yeah. cut your money scenes right. out of it right. you know you 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 leave the big laughs in and you replace some of the the you know the snore uh scenes sure sure and try to punch up those where where you can you know so um yeah i didn't get it but yeah we heard that there the real trouble with that place is that the yeah. guy that owned it owned, he was only a partner with the restaurant downstairs. He was a partner with us. And then he owned the martini bar f- full on yes. by himself right. on the top floor. So we were partnered with uh, a decent Italian food restaurant on the first floor that to say that we held the show sometimes up to half hour 40 minutes well, on the weekend because you know an italian dinner is not a speedy yeah. process no and to get those people up and sat we were running so far behind on the weekends it was ridiculous and then because of that we would be running into the martini bar because they wanted oh, to fire everything up they, at 10 yes. p.m you know rain or shine mm-hmm. so you know, if we were running late, then, you know, they certainly wouldn't stop their DJ from turning up the music at 10. No. So there was all this bleed through happening of sound. So it was just a mess. You know what I mean? It was like, and he, you know, half-heartedly would tell us, oh, they're not going to play that anymore. I had a talk to him, but really wink, wink. He's up no. there telling him, fire it up. I don't care. Yeah, Do it at it. nine from now on, you know? Right. So there, it just, all those different businesses were competing against each other instead of working with each other. Yeah. So the, it's, you know, the right. writings on the wall right. at that point, you know. And and the one thing that was the most undervalued in that whole thing was the theater because you had a bunch of business owners and operators that were restaurant owners or martini bar promoters who, you know, they felt like they were starting some Vegas club in, De- in yeah. the suburbs of Detroit. Yeah. And the thing that was most undervalued was pushed out. And once it left, the rest of that stuff died. Yeah. Yeah. I, that not, stuff died. None of it's there anymore. Right. No. I mean, because once the theater went, there's no reason to go there's all no the way out either. there to that restaurant. No, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the typical, you know, they just couldn't see in front of their face two feet. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They thought that they were the center of the world out there. And it was like, no, 
You're yeah. all feeding off of this thing that's happening that you don't give a shit about. Right, right. Yeah. I said, well, man. Yeah. I mean, it, I still, you know, like, I can bitch about it, but it was still the greatest two years sure. ever. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure. That main stage job. Tim and I used to, we used to carpool to work together, and I'd drive one week, and he'd drive the next. And every Wednesday through Sunday, you know, and then the, in the winter time Tuesday through Sunday whoever was driving it just you'd pick the person up somewhat late we're we're bitching we're angry we're like we why do we have to go to work especially right. in the winter you know when it's like right. snowing everywhere and 25 minutes on 696 you know like just to get out to the theater and it's like you know audiences are good or bad this that the other but it's like you you know we're talking you know you go <laughs> pick each other up after six o'clock on a you know like on a Wednesday, go there, you try to get there, you know, by 730 so that you can, you know, get dressed and blah, 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 and then do the show at eight. You're done with the shit. And in Detroit, too, that's another thing with Dan, because they didn't want to do um, two act shows because they obviously they wanted to get the bar uh, hopping early. So we just did 75 minute one acts, uh, which is also not you know it's nope. that is not how you want to do a nope. second city show no nope. right? it's hard to build a running order in a 75 yes. minute one right act. right so we would uh you know knock that show out in 75 minutes and then you don't drink in novi because the cops are everywhere so we no. would just go back to royal oak where we all lived and we would hang out right. there you know so they lost the business for us as well because they it wasn't welcoming to us first of all no but second of all it's like you i mean i'm not gonna have drinks this is way before uber and all of that other stuff it's like i'm not gonna have drinks you know 30 miles away from where i live no and not to mention that like the it was just not like the novi cops would be circling that area because they knew it was an easy nail for some cheap shitty tax dollars they'd just hang out to nail people and it'd be like uh, wait a minute. I went and had a nice Italian dinner. Mm-hmm. I had a glass of wine and a beer, and I had a beer at the show or whatever, and I'm driving home with my wife after seeing the comedy show and spending my money out here, and you guys are trying to run me in. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? And it was ridiculous. They would try to do that a bunch. And, um, you know, don't mind any of the background noise right now. It's a beautiful L.A. night, and we're recording uh, outside, yeah. and there's a lot of ambiance at the park here. <laughs> people are stopping and looking. and We've looking got a nice people. audience of homeless yeah. people. Right. I mean, you know, people are stopping. They're looking, and that's the way it is. You, you, earlier we heard the helicopter. We heard the ghetto bird. Mm-hmm. And we're getting some strange looks because we are, as always, drinking our old English 800s while recording the show, trying yeah. to get that uh, uh, sponsorship. Old English has not come through yet, but hopefully yeah. they will. Where and you're rocking the old uh, Detroit uh, Billups jersey. I yeah. always am rocking my Pistons gear out here in L.A. Yeah. because they hate the bad boys out here. Mm-hmm. And I will specifically wear my Chauncey Billups uh, NBA Finals MVP jersey because there is nothing they can say. You can talk all that shit about the Magic team and, and the Showtime Lakers that, uh, I guess, won that seven-game series in the Phantom Kareem we got into this just on the last show i recorded yeah, yeah. i won't beat you to death on that but anyway they'll get into that because they beat us the one time and mm-hmm. then we beat them and whatever but come at me bro you had yeah, Shaq, yeah. you had kobe <laughs> you had carl malone you had gary payton it was a lock you were gonna roast us in the finals mm-hmm. and i believe it was a gentleman sweep outside kobe's half court shot yeah, that won yeah. one game we won <laughs> it in five so yeah, yeah. chauncey bill jersey there you go. Yeah. stirs up some shit out <laughs> i get it i get it i yeah. love it I love it, man. You 
have been gracious enough to invite me to play in uh, the Flying, Flying Chuck, Chuck show yeah. over mm-hmm. at Second City, mm-hmm. which is an improv show that combines professional wrestling and yeah. improv. And that's that's a great show. A lot of people don't know a lot oh. about it, and you love wrestling. Yes, I mean, well, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Grew up being a huge wrestling fan. My father's a huge wrestling fan. Uh, so obviously Saturday, you know, if we're watching the the Saturday morning wrestling, or even like right. the Georgia Championship wrestling and stuff like that Anything from that the Midwest, on? yeah. And he was he was huge into the heels, which most grown ups are, and the <laughs> right. kids love all the baby faces, right. you know. So I was a huge Hulk Hogan guy, and my dad was a huge Piper guy. So sure. it was like it always gave us. And anytime they were at uh, Notre Dame, because I grew up in South Bend, even though I'm from Cleveland originally. Uh, so if they were at Notre Dame JACC or something, he would always take us to go see it. And sure. I went to the first Survivor Series at Richfield Coliseum. Uh, it what I believe it was like '87. Uh, yeah, so it's lifelong, you know, lifelong, uh, I loved it. And even, uh, when it was still with second city, they got us a suite one time for us to see it at, uh, I think it was Kobo. The SmackDown was taping at oh, Kobo probably or at something. Kobo at the time, yeah. And, uh, which they got gone. us a suite to go see it. That's when I learned something very interesting about suites, which I've now n- know going into it anymore. Just because you have the suite. You, I mean, I guess in your mind, when you grow up and like, like my mom worked for cable companies, uh, yeah, yeah. it was, I believe it's called heritage cable before like Comcast and all them took over time Warner took over everything. There was individual cable companies in every little town, you know, like, uh, so for South Bend at the time it was called heritage cable. Okay. And my all mom right. worked there. So, uh, for them to like pick up certain channels, they would get like, you know, these, these weird like perks and stuff. So, like they would send all the upper management and they would they would bring them out to box seats or or luxury boxes sure. in Chicago and stuff like that. So I got to get, see the Indians and in, in, play the White Sox a bunch in Chicago. Uh, and then we would go to the luxury boxes and it's like it's all the food and all the soda that you could drink as a kid, you know. So I always had this idea that when you got into a suite or a luxury box, sure. it was just free food and drink Everything all the time. But that's not the case because you have to pay for all of that stuff too. The case, the case is actually a hundred and something dollars. Right. (laughs) So you know, the the second city, uh, Lisa Chapman, she was the business manager there, fantastic lady. She was like, "Hey, you know, you guys are wrestling fans. I I got you this this suite for the SmackDown." And we were like, "Oh man, this is so great!" So me and uh, Quentin, Sam Peacock, um, I don't know if Tim was with us or not, but, but there's about. Oh, Dave Davies. There was like Hilarious. six or seven of us that went down there. And then we're in there and we're, I mean, it's it's awesome. But there's, the fridges are empty. There's no empty. food. There's nothing. Empty. And uh, we're lucky that we brought the, Dave brought the only guy, you know, that had a, because even Dave Davies is an actor and stuff as sure, well. Sure. He brought uh, Jeff Phillips. Do you know Jeff Phillips? Yes, yeah. I know Jeff Phillips very well. A great guy. Great guy. Uh, he helped compose stuff for the yes. businesses unusual yeah, for yeah, us yeah. as well. And he was like, he got us a bunch of beers and bought a bunch of pizza for us. So then it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So now I know when you're going to a suite now, right, right, it's not free. You yeah. gotta, you gotta buy your own stuff. My wife, God bless her, uh, the angel that she is. Um, when we first met, I was working downtown at the firehouse in Juwan, right behind Comerica Park, is where I used to run at. And this was during the uh, unlikely '06 Tigers World Series run, where mm-hmm. nobody expected us to do anything during the season yeah, and yeah. we were out front like you know come at me bro yeah, <laughs> they yeah, couldn't yeah. fuck with us we were the shit 
I mean, rookie of the year, Verlander was rookie of the year as a pitcher that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Granderson, I finished, I think, third in the voting that year. As I mean, we were just – we were awesome. Yeah. And she worked for the Tigers. So I would talk to her kind of coming and going to work every day when I was out in front of the firehouse. And she worked the suites up there. Yeah. And, you know, she would get us up in those suites. Like, if anybody – she ran all the suites for for the players. Yeah. And, like, Mr. Illich and shit. So – during that whole playoff run, if there was anything going on, she'd be like, oh, well, like, uh, Maglio or Donia's family didn't show up today. Nobody's at the suite. You know, if you guys want to buy a, you know, $10 ticket to the game, we would buy a ticket and hang out, and then she'd get us up into the Maglio suite, and the thing would be stocked. Because of Maglio's Oh, family. sure, it would yeah. always be stocked. You know, oh, you'd man. open the fridge, and it was like, we would just sit there and drink all goddamn day. Oh, that, well, that's fantastic. You know fantastic. what I mean? Like, I was there for Verlander's no-hitter, against i believe against the brewers mm-hmm. at comerica park you know what i mean it was like we would go hang out in the suites and you know because they would be stocked That's, and stuff so yeah. god bless her that was awesome that, heck and yeah. then yeah. her other friends that were like lifers like because at that time olympia entertainment ran like red wings too yeah, so yeah. joe Louis arena so her other friends that also did the red wing season but she kind of didn't we would go to the wings game and hit some sweets and stuff Same every once there. in a while too yeah, yeah it was great yeah. It was great. Love it. It was great. And then she moved. She actually moved to Chicago and was working for the Blackhawks and the Bulls in the front office, handling sweet stuff and, and all that for them when I was originally going to move down to Chicago and leave. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole nother thing and, and didn't. But she was working for them there. And then when she got out here, the company she was with ended up having some sweet connections for like Clippers games and stuff, so we would go to the Clippers games and hit the suites. So uh, that doesn't happen anymore. No, no, uh, she's with a different place now, so mm-hmm. we don't do a whole lot of that anymore. And that was before the Clippers were. Um, that was like God. It had to have been like maybe the season before they started getting like Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and they were making runs at it and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but we would go there, and I mean that. The Clippers one was probably the biggest deal because it wasn't like there's beer in the fridge for you and stuff. Like, we would have the company suite. So, like, they would come through with carts of, like, food all the time. Yeah. They would come through with carts of, like, you know, do you want some filet mignon? And then they come through with a cart of desserts. And do you want, like, half a friggin' carrot cake or whatever? You know, and it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even know. And then they bring you the tab afterwards. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) They won't bring the tab to us, they would give it to the company. Oh, you know, so we would well, take the good. kids to the game or something. We'd like pick whatever desserts you want, yeah, have yeah. whatever drinks you want. You know what I mean? It was great. Love it. It yeah. was great. It was great. Yeah, we, we, you know, the Clippers weren't. I, I mean, they still had a lot of the talent on the team, but they just didn't have the wins. And even now, I think the the Lakers are still always the more expensive ticket. I, yeah, you get me going on that. I can't even. Yeah. I can't even. Sports talk out here on the radio annoys me to no end because. I've said this a million times. It's like just last year they were, I'm going to get upset about it. I'm like this, I'm driving around. It's like you have a team in the world series. You have a team that is the, is going to lock down home field advantage in the NFC and be in a Super Bowl favorites in Vegas right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I can't get anybody on the radio to talk about anything else than the fucking Lakers yeah. and their 15 games out of eighth place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's a basketball city. At, at the end of the day, it's a complete basketball city, and it's a Lakers city. 
And I don't even know why, because it's a transplanted damn team that won some championships in the 80s. It's like, hey, man, get over the shit. I guess they won some with Kobe as well, but they won some with Kobe as well, but just not against us. But Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I'm like, that's all they talk about, man. You know? Yeah. I I don't listen to pedestrian radio because since my wife works for Sirius, right, I have right. free Sirius. So Plug uh, it. Yeah. Plug it, man. I listen to a lot of hair metal uh, from Hair Nation. Yeah. I live Ozzy's Boneyard, stuff like that. So uh, if I'm listening to sports, I'm usually listening to a game, the right, actual right. game. But well, I don't listen I to do a lot the of sports I do the carpool in the morning yeah. for the kids in the neighborhood to the high school. Mm-hmm. And I always make sure that when i have it on in the morning i have on the dan patrick show okay because every time i'm driving them is right when he does his phone interview mm-hmm. and he's always got somebody great on there doing a phone interview because they'll spend the money on like these other shitty local stations that don't do anything but talk about lakers and they don't want to spend money on anybody so they take callers and it's like you know uh, juan from simi valley or todd from valencia what do you think about the lakers and what do i give a fuck what todd from valencia thinks yeah. about the lakers you know what i mean i, I yeah. flip on dan patrick in the morning and he's got like he'll have walton on talking about the damn team like so and I the grateful sure, dead yeah <laughs> i'll always make sure that that's on and they're listening to that so at least when they walk into school they'll have some knowledge of something you know what i mean good I don't know. You know, because I'm a Cleveland fan, because I'm, I'm a fan of all Cleveland sports. So LeBron being out here, I thought I'd be able to stomach getting out to at least one game that he played this year nah. uh, in L.A., but I, I couldn't do it. Maybe nah. next season. But I kind of like, I feel pretty good that they didn't even make the playoffs, though. Because I, I tell it. you what, they'd be, they'd be, I, I still think they'd be in the Eastern Conference, even if Golden State was up 3-1 right now. I think Cleveland would still be in the finals this year if LeBron still played in Cleveland. They um listen, I'll give you that, but I would say they would have had a problem with Milwaukee this year, I would have felt like. Uh, uh yeah, I think maybe both of those games would have either went 6 or 7 it, yeah. whether they played yeah. uh, Milwaukee or Toronto, but I think right. Cleveland still would have won because they still yeah. can't get over LeBron in the East, you know. No, uh, and I think that like a lot of people will say, like, well, you sound like a moron saying Milwaukee when Toronto beat them. But I feel like the way the playoffs would have been laid out had mm-hmm. LeBron still been in Cleveland and Toronto struggled early in the playoffs. You remember that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was a fantastic shop that beat Philadelphia, and yeah, they yeah. were also trailing in the first round to um, – it's escaping me right now, but they were trailing to them too. So early on in the playoffs, I think that they were a team that, you know, that mm-hmm. might have went the wrong way. And I think yeah, it would have yeah. been Milwaukee and Cleveland in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that would have been a tough series this year just because I think the great freak had come into his own. And that Milwaukee team in true East Eastern Conference final uh, Eastern Conference basketball fashion was playing some team hoops. Yeah. Whereas yeah. West you know, Western Conference is just, you know, it spread them out ISO ball. Yeah, yeah. You know. So. Everybody but Golden State. Everybody yeah. but Golden State. Yeah. They yeah. move the ball very well. They do when KD is yeah. not involved. Right, right. When right, KD's I, in the game, they're no different than Houston. It's just that KD is 10 times better than Harden. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. You know? I, to me, it, I mean, weirdly enough, I still don't think Toronto's safe. Right now, I still don't think they're safe because if KD gets into what if they if they somehow win this next game tomorrow 
and KD's back Agreed. after that, I think they they can they can come back and Agreed. win. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So they have to close this out tomorrow, or I think they could really yeah. lose this whole series. Yeah. Because once KD's back, they had no answer for him. You know, like I, I don't think yeah. they do either. And I think that they have also really benefited from all the other injuries. I think the focus is just KD, KD being out. But I'm uh, like, if Clay wasn't hurt as well, yeah. and Boogie wasn't hurt as well, and Iguodala wasn't limping around too, yeah. you know, they're not alluding to that. But that guy don't look as fast as he normally does either. I'm like, if those guys were just fine and KD was out, I think they'd have been, like, before Clay got hurt yeah. and KD was out, they were back to the fun and gun warriors, and they were dominating. Mm-hmm. And then once Clay got hurt, they yeah. really haven't been the same. Well, you know, the I think everybody like the memes and stuff were going around after game what, what was it, game three or whatever that, that Steph Curry had forty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and that it was all with LeBron in two thousand fifteen being yes. like it ain't easy to do the whole thing by yourself, isn't it? Right, right. Be you know, because it's like we you know, I think you know, we lost the two thousand fifteen series because everybody was hurt other than LeBron at that yeah. point. And then we won in 2016 after being down 3-1 and came back and won the whole thing. And then the next year, you know, they added KD, and then obviously we haven't and been able no to touch chance. him. Yeah. Uh, because they are the they were the most talented team in mo- basketball and then added yeah. the second-best player in the league. So Yeah. Uh, but yeah. now they were completely beatable this year because all their guys are hurt, and that's fine. You know, it's like it ha- that happens, but I still don't think Toronto – it's not over. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's not you safe. You better not get complacent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You better not get complacent because if Clay's a little healthier right now and KD can come out and play at 80% mm-hmm. and Boogie's a little healthier, I mean, they just need to win one at a time and slowly get healthier. Do you, I don't think he plays. I don't think KD plays tomorrow. I, I, they They're, said he was just mill. listed to, to practice. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a huge jump, and I get it. You got the yeah. rest of the season to yeah. rest I, if you I lose. Will be, but, I'll be shocked if he doesn't try to play. I mean, but you know, he's going to go on the free agent market and try to get some big money after this. So, like, why risk hurting yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah, especially but, you're down three one. No, you know? I completely agree with that yeah. logic. But I would I would make this argument that. Um, if he goes out there and tries to play and it's feeling lame and he pulls himself, not going to hurt him on the free agent market. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And well, it's, a, it's thinking, a muscle is strain. It, is it worth it, though? I mean, I to me, I think if they if everybody else just pulls it up the bootstraps and they, they grind out a win tomorrow and then it's 3-2, then he comes back. You know what I mean? No, I because agree. Because then with, it's I a agree more you. reachable goal at that point. Sure, yeah. No, it definitely is, but it's like – you're done if you don't win. Uh, amen. And if yeah. that guy feels like I can go eighty percent, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Kerr, I'm rolling with my man. Yeah, yeah. No, I get. And it. I don't yeah. like the guy personally, yeah, but right. I'm just being serious. Yeah. You know, the snake I mean? man. Yeah, I don't. Like I don't yeah. He is, dude. I had no respect for the guy. No, I just I don't, don't man. You know. Yeah, they with with without a mental collapse in Oklahoma City, they would have beaten. They would have beaten them in 2016. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, 2017, right? That's that's the one that – no, it's 16. No, yeah. It was – yeah, it was – yes, the year that, that Cleveland beat the Warriors, they were – Yes. You know, Oklahoma yes. could, could have eliminated yeah, them. Yeah, could have eliminated yeah. them. Yeah. Could have eliminated them, which was the year 
that they had set the record for wins, correct or yeah, no? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And they could have. Uh, interesting what that would look like right now had they. Because KD probably would have stayed. Yeah. Oklahoma City. You know what I mean? NBA's got a, they got a big problem right now. And from a business aspect, they don't think they do. Mm-hmm. They love the current setup. I was having this argument with somebody else. They love the current setup of young stars dominating in the small market and then when their rookie contracts are up or their you know second contracts are up bouncing to these bigger markets. Mm-hmm. Like to them that totally fuels their product. Yeah. Because the bigger markets are always on top. You know what I mean? Which which is going to fuel revenue. Mm-hmm. And then it keeps their small market teams afloat, like New Orleans right now getting Zion. Yeah. Keep them afloat for a couple of years, and he'll be up playing for the Knicks in five years. So who gives a shit? So you think Anthony Davis is gone after this season? Anthony Davis will not play one second in New Orleans this year. He will be gone before the season starts. Mm-hmm. And he will be in L.A. You think so? He will be in L.A. Um I mean, eleventh hour, he changes agents to LeBron's agency, and like they're, they almost have to get that deal done. Like LA's in a place right now where Magic is out. Yeah, Magic is out. Okay, so Palinka and them guys are pulling the strings right now, and from from minute one, it has been, what does LeBron want? What are we doing here to build this team around him to try to win a championship? LeBron has made it more than clear that he wants, he wants him. Out of New Orleans, and he wants him up in L.A. Yeah, but we wanted him in Cleveland, too. It's like, just because you want that doesn't mean it happens, you know? like Right, but uh, it, this this has to. They're going to make whatever deal they have to make. They're going to overpay and get him. That's what I'll predict. They're yeah, going to overpay but, and get him. But that's going to be the demise of it, too, because, you know, LeBron's sure. still the greatest basketball player in the league, but he's also it, diminishing returns at some point is going to be a problem. They're, you know, he's paying, he's getting paid a ton. Anthony Davis would be getting paid a ton. They would deal away all their yeah. young talent to all of it. to New Orleans. And then who these guys can't play every position, you know. Yeah. Who are they going to have to fill yeah. the other parts? You know? But have the Lakers ever operated in that way where they're like, ooh, we value our young non-star talent over these big names we can bring in to try to win a championship? No. They haven't. No. That's going to be my thing. They're going to do this. They I, gotta, I they, believe they're going to do it. They got to get Jack Nicholson season tickets, you know, <laughs> set up. So and he won't buy them, I guess. If, no, I believe that they are going to. I believe Lonzo Ball will be a part of that deal. He's going to have to be. No, every, he's going to be a part of that deal. Kuzma's going to be a part. Like they, that's the thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, they keep yapping on the sports talk out here about like, is Lonzo going to be involved or not? And oh my God, do they want to give up Lonzo? And to me, that just reeks because it, the front office owns that radio station. Mm-hmm. They own that radio station, and everybody that works at it. The Laker announcer works at the station, has his own show where they talk trade deals. Yeah. To me, all that talk reeks that the administration is pushing the fact that we don't want to give up Lonzo, but we will because they're trying to keep, they're trying to keep Kuzma on the quiet. They don't want to give him up. Yeah. 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 They don't want to give him up is what I think is the big quiet thing. No one's talking about. And he's going to have to be a part of that deal. Of course. They want to try to skate on giving up, you know, um, uh, Lonzo and, uh, the other kid, um, 
in, uh, Ingram, no, right? Ingram, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Ingram. <laughs> they want to try to they they want to try and give up that draft pick, Lonzo and Ingram. Mm-hmm. They'll be happy as shit with that deal. Yeah, that's why they keep yapping on the radio like, "Ooh, is that too big a price?" <laughs> now you want to give up that deal. Yeah, You're trying yeah. to keep Kuzma. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's stupid. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my opinion. No, it's it's good. It's good. See, you do listen to a lot of Laker talk radio. I hear too fucking much of it is yeah, what yeah. I hear. <laughs> and I hear what they're not saying, you know what I mean, which I feel like a lot of other people kind of don't. I don't know. But I don't give a shit. I hope they keep fucking losing. I don't care. Yeah. Well, at least, you know, because, you know, LeBron's got – a limited amount of seasons left. He just has yeah. to have limited amount of seasons left. He's got and maybe three competitive seasons left. Where, like, it, this is where I'm sort of like, why did you do it? You know, why did you do it? I, why did, I was shocked. Why did you leave where you were loved, respected, herald, you know, like, uh, and then to come and try to start over one more time? Like, it just doesn't make It didn't, didn't make any sense. No. He didn't need to do it. No. And, like, I'm sort of, like, glad he got egg on his face this time. Because, it, and not in a mean, not it, not how I was when he left after the decision. Yeah. When he left after the decision, I'm like, you motherfucker. I'm like, he, he devastated the city when he left the first time. I mean, because the Cavs were the only thing that we had going at the time. Like, the Indians weren't very good. The the Browns certainly aren't. And then, so everybody was behind this, this the Cavs. And then he just fucking let us down and left. And, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I had LeBron jersey. I didn't burn it, but I certainly threw it away. You know, sure. and I was pissed. And it, I couldn't watch basketball for four years. The entire four years he was in Miami, I couldn't watch a game because I would turn on the Cavs if they were on, you know, if they were somehow on TV, which they barely ever were. I, you know, within yeah. fifteen minutes they were down by twenty, and I would turn it off because I was like, man, this is horrible. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the. Actually, right before when Kyrie came on, I started watching them more when I saw. So it wasn't quite four full years. So And I was like, okay, well, you know, they still only won 19 games the, the year right before LeBron came back. But then when LeBron came back and they got K-Love and then everything started to click for them, and I, it was fun again. Because, you know, I grew up with the Mark Price Cavaliers, you know, Mark Price, sure. Brad Doherty, uh, and Larry Nance Jr., or Larry Nance Sr., who we have Larry Nance Jr. now. And for whatever you think about that trade, and if Cleveland got screwed taking Clarkson and Nance Jr.'s uh, contracts, I'm glad we have them. I'm glad we have them both. Nance Jr. more than Clarkson. But, I mean, I love a, a hometown boy coming back to play for, you know, the team that he grew up with and he loves. You know what I mean? So that's right, great. Right. You know, so, uh, Don't win championships, but fans love it. Right. I yeah. mean, I'm you know, that's Tigers. I mean, phew. You know, anyway, I mean, go ahead. I mean, to yeah, segue yeah. there, but I'm just like, God, we've had so many guys yeah, that are yeah. like, eh, fans love him. And it's like, yeah, he can't hit two. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, what I mean, even getting to that, too, because, you know, I spent seven years in Detroit uh, coming up through Second City and, and getting uh, eventually getting the main stage. So Detroit teams are kind of like my yeah. my hobby. A little bit when I would when I lived there, sure. because I still love all Cleveland sports. But like you know, I'd go see you know Lions games. I would go see uh, Pistons games, and I would sure. go see Tigers games and stuff because they were local. Especially then, the Pistons were fucking killing it. You know, 
Yes, they, but but for me, the best one was the Tigers because I worked right across the street. So, right. you know, every Monday and Wednesday we had tour co rehearsals, and then we would come over, and you would say in ten dollars. I mean, shit, I think they were eight dollars at first. Like the like just hot dog and a beer tickets or whatever, yeah, hot yeah. dog and a, uh, and a Pepsi or whatever. They might have been. Yeah, they yeah. were like eight bucks, and it was empty. So you empty. could literally go anywhere. And the, the the new Comerica Park opened. Like I moved to um, Detroit in June of 2000. Yeah, June of 2000. And then yeah. the next season, 2001, is when Comerica played I think, its first game. I think Comerica opened 2000. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, maybe I got there the second season yeah. they were open. Right. Uh, so here's the thing that was funny to me about that. I went to, then from 2001 to 2008, I went to every opening day from that point on. I, I loved Beautiful. it. It was the most fun. It's so great. It's one I of had, the greatest places yeah. in the country to go to opening day. Man. And I had never been to another opening day because although I'm from Cleveland, yeah. you know, like we lived in the suburbs. Right. And then when I lived in Indiana, we didn't have the team yeah. to go to an opening it's day. It's a party, It's bro. so fun. So fun. And I wouldn't miss them. But that, you know, the opening day is like you're waiting huge lines for restrooms and you're waiting forever to get beers and you're waiting forever to get food. And it's like, who designed this? This is ridiculous. Back then it was a hole. Oh, and then the next game you would go to. So like, let's say the following Wednesday, I'd go to the game. You could get any anything, yep. no lines for beer, no yep. lines for yep. food. Yep. You could get in and out of the restroom. You'd practically yeah. by yourself in there. Yeah. And that was like that from 2001 to 2006. 2006 and ramped back up. And here's the thing. So back when that stadium opened in 2000, um, downtown was still – it was still a hole. Yeah. I mean, there was there was no businesses down there. There yeah. was no place to eat and drink, and you tried to grab a parking lot if you could, but there was no party stores down there. It's what yeah, we yeah. call them in, in Detroit: party stores to get liquor and chips and yeah, whatever yeah. you want to get. You couldn't get that kind of stuff. So when you went down to the game, if you weren't pre prepared and and coming from the suburbs, you might not have been because you not you, but I mean in general, yeah. you might not have been because you're thinking, hey, when we get down there, we'll hit a store. There's no stores down there. Right, right. There was one store and. A lot of suburbanites really wouldn't go into that store off of Cass over there, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the firehouse because there was a lot of, uh, you know, urban folks out front begging on money or whatever yeah. that might have been the case at the time. I'm being sensitive uh, about the way that I'm talking about my own city right now because I'm sensitive to it yeah. because I understand those people in front of the store, but suburbanites didn't. And they wouldn't go into that store. Right. And that's how it was back then. And even in 06, the city still was there was nothing down there. Mm-hmm. And like now if you go down there, there's a plethora of yeah, things. Yeah. It has completely changed. So, yeah, in 06, we were really inequipped for the new stadium in 2000, but we were beyond inequipped for a World Series run in 06. Beyond yeah, yeah. inequipped, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, quickly to just piggyback off of that, because uh, Cleveland went through something very similar when uh, all the teams moved back downtown. So they opened up the the new Cleveland. It was uh, the uh, Jacobs Field when it first opened back up again. Uh, uh, so all a lot of money came back into the city, and they started fixing up buildings and opening yeah. malls and all this other stuff. And then they would all be closed within a few years, you know. But then those people all came in, did all the remodeling, updated buildings, 
put in retail space, put in uh, restaurant space so that the next tier of people could come in and have half of the work done for them to open up buildings. And that same thing was happening in Detroit where a lot of buildings, uh, a lot of people were coming in and business owners were coming in and they were renovating buildings and, and opening up restaurants. They didn't last. Yep. But then somebody else could come in off of that. Half and the work is done right. and get the get the thing get the rolling. Yeah. And that's exactly what yeah, you need yeah. to do. It's like yeah. you need that first tier, tier of investment, even though the chances of succeeding are not very good at all. No, yeah. And then when those people yeah. are like, oh, God, okay, well, yeah. you know, see you later. We tried. Then the next group comes in, which is yep. what Detroit's at right now. Right. Because right. they, you know, a lot of those places yep. are in there are piggybacked off of people that yep. failed out there before there's a lot of really stupid little fun places to go like 2004 ish yeah downtown when all yeah. these places were trying Great. to open up downtown Great. none of them are still around no, I, I mean yeah. i would i would make the argument that yes lost a lot of this ambiance like i used to love it down there when it was like that mm-hmm. you know and now i go down there i just went back recently um for my buddy Jamin's wedding and I'm in, you know, cause I was in the wedding, Chloe's in the wedding and we went down there and, and I love it. But like, that's not only where I'm from, but like, that's the district that I ran in for a long time. And engine one, and we were walking around at night doing mm-hmm. this little bachelor party and stuff. And I turned the corner at one point and I saw a huge under armor store. And then I'm looking around and shit. Like I didn't even know where I was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see a street sign. And I didn't know where I was out on the street. Yeah. And I'm like, it's great that things are being built up, but I don't care much for like the major corporation building up and coming in and taking over. Like I liked it back in 06 when we would go down and tailgate for playoff games. And like, you could be out on the streets having a beer if you want, cooking a hot dog. If you you go down there now, you can't do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that shit. Everybody's yeah. all over you. And it's like, oh, this is a sophisticated area now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck your sophistication, man. This is Detroit. We yeah. used to enjoy coming down here and being Detroit. And it's, I feel like it's being taken away. Do you Have you ever been to uh, the Detroit Beer Company? Who's down there? Cause I, uh, no. This is where I'll say where like they, I, I worked for the Royal Oak Brewery uh, almost the entire time I lived in, in Michigan. Uh, the two owners of that place at the time, they don't, they, I, I think they've since separated uh, one of them owns it now and the other one owns Rochester type of a thing. They own the Rochester Mills Beer Company, Royal Oak Beer Company, and then they own the Detroit Beer Company. Yeah. They opened that place, I think, in 05. I think in 05. Okay. But it would have been okay. right in that thing yeah, yeah. of where they were some, they were like new investors sure. in revitalizing Yeah, downtown. before it has ever come up. Yeah. And it's still there. It's still there. Yep, yep. It was a great yep. place. It, I haven't, I mean, I haven't been there in, I mean, yeah. since probably 2008, but like, uh, I, I mean, as far as I know, yeah, it's still they're there the ones well. that brought back the original Stroh's recipe. So they brought back the original Stroh's Pilsner recipe because uh, if you know, um, Stroh's used to be brewed in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coleman Young was so desperate to get casinos into the city that he was running the major brewery out of town because apparently there's some a federal law that you can't have a brewery or a distillery within so many miles of a casino within major city limit. However that works, you can look it up if you want to Google check yeah, me, yeah. do it and, and Twitter me. You're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, but he was trying to push Stroh's out of town because he wanted the casinos real bad. And then he did. And it kind of drove Stroh's out. I think Miller bought him. 
I'm not mistaken. I think Miller ended up buying them, and you could still get Stroh's for years, but Miller had changed the recipe to yeah, like yeah. whatever's left in, left in the barrels is now Stroh's. Yeah, yeah. And Detroit, I believe, is Detroit Brewing Company. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong on that. I may be wrong I don't on that. Challenge you on it? No, you could challenge me on that one. I I think it's Detroit Brewing Company, but maybe it's a different brewery that's down there now yeah but now they brought back the original yeah. Stroh's pilsner and they're brewing it the way it used to be brewed and everybody's like pretty happy about that you know what i mean that's like, good i don't know great. if it's them or not but i'll i'll take your word for it i think it might be and i'm a big fan of everybody that was in before before yeah the move and i and I, I thought this that was a great move for them as well yeah, you yeah. know like they because even guys like that are that are sort of like put on a pedestal in Detroit, and you know Illich did a lot of great things for the city, but he's held his thumb on it quite a bit as well. I think too, when so. Illich was alive, there's a lot of love for Illich and what he was mm-hmm. doing down there. Because at the time he was doing it, yeah, it's a good business move to buy this stuff all up while it's super cheap, and it's a major city on a waterway, and you're going to live forever. And blah blah blah. You can knock him as much as you want, but that guy gave a shit about the city. Yeah. Now that he's gone. And his kids are kind of taking over. Like, I I have a soft spot for Mike because of what he did in revitalizing the wings and revitalizing the Tigers the way that he did. Mm-hmm. He cared. He That guy cared about them damn teams, and he cared about the city. And now... But the, the, the empty buildings, he's probably was the chief yeah. reason why yeah. all the buildings down there were empty. It, he is. So I will say this about that time period, though, that you're right, all those empty buildings down there, no doubt about it. But at that time in Detroit, I will have to give him the nod as a businessman to have the foresight to buy up all that terribly dilapidated property that would have cost him millions and millions of dollars to to reinvigorate and then reopen with businesses that would have just failed at that time. Yeah. So to just sit on those empty properties at the time, I get it as a businessman to do that. Um, my bigger problem is later on when, you know, he's on his deathbed and had just passed away and the Illich Foundation's kids have taken over and all that. And, and then we get into... 360 70 some million dollars in building the little caesars arena when the city goes bankrupt Mm -hmm. and then like me and my whole family who were all in a fire department at the time they're busting our contract they're taking away they're nailing our pensions they're switching everybody like they're they're just taking money away from everybody who's been serving the city and at the same time they're handing 375 million dollars to the Illiches to build Little Little Caesars Arena. I'm like, that that one, that left a bad it, taste in my I, mouth, man. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, all of it should have, though. I mean, I, I agree with you that, you know, the first tier of people probably wouldn't have survived that renovations and stuff down there, but they're also certainly not going to do it when he's holding all the real estate and not willing to part with it without a 600% return on his, his, on his investment, you know? So, sure. Like he made it expensive out there for real estate because there wasn't a lot of uh, properties available because he owned them all, you know. And then he wasn't going to sell them unless he made a ton of money off of but them. But who else was going to come in and buy those and renovate them and put anything down there when there was no return on your investment to do so? Oh yeah, but there's also he could write write it all off as lost. So he he and he owned like what a third of the city of Detroit that yeah, he could yeah. just write off as a loss. So he well, was doing great Gilbert on Gilbert owns. As much, if not but more. at least, but at least he 
renovate, you know, like he campus, wait, is that campus marshes? No, that's CompuWare. Campus marshes yeah. area, yeah. So did did Gilbert that's turn that around? That's okay. where the Quicken Loans building yeah. is, Campus Marshall. Okay, yeah. so he did re, you know, revitalize he an did, entire area. But at a yeah. time when the boom was happening yeah. and it was beneficial. But you know, but so also in a different part of the city. From a businessman's standpoint to wait on it until the boom happens. Mm-hmm. That that those guys speculate all those things. They you know, I can I'm not saying that like I'm fine with it, but I'm saying if I can just be objective and look at both sides of the coin, I can be like, okay, I understand you're waiting for this thing to turn around. You bought this all up, all that up at a cheap price. You're waiting for the investment to be huge. You're gonna, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get that. Though the one thing too, and this is the one that's sort of like the, you know, when they used to make the baseball video games and stuff. I think only. PlayStation actually still does one. Yeah. But it was always cool to play at Comerica Park because of the whale building. You know what I mean? When you're live at the game, you can see the whale building. Yeah, yeah. And in the video games, the whale building is right there. <laughs> the funniest thing about the video games is if you're playing a night game on the video game, there's lights on in the whale building. That's hilarious because yeah, it's yeah. it's empty. There's nothing in that right. building. I don't know if there is now, but at the time that... Yes. I don't even know if it's... Is it even still the whale building? I don't even know what it is anymore. I think that it used to be, like, I may be mistaken on this, but I think that was the big Barry Sanders mural, and then they turned it into a whale's mural, mm-hmm. and then there was nothing in there for a while. For I yeah. mean, the entire time I and lived then, there. And like, then when we got the, the Super Bowl also in 06, I believe, um, again, I'm working down there. And I'm like, I know this whole district. I know what empty, dilapidated buildings there are. And we're walking around. And what they were doing was putting brand new storefronts, not storefronts, but like building fronts on the buildings. So what they would do is they would just build an actual front to the building with like steel beams and stuff. Like North like, Korea. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so they, it would look like yeah. a skyscraper from the front when you looked at it. It would be like, oh, this is a beautiful building. And then if you just walked up to it and peeked behind, you would see that there was a dilapidated falling building behind or, it. Or, you know, they wanted there. they wanted like the, the street cameras to show people walking. Yeah. And it, it looked like maybe there was a convenience yeah. store on the corner yeah. or something. And they, you'd yeah. see... You know, through the glass, there yep. was food on the shelves, but they it's just all the homeless out of town. Yeah, they yeah. built all these phony things, and we were just like, at that time, we were like, "What the fuck, man?" I did a, uh, I worked that Super Bowl for Second City. Uh, me, Sean Handlin, uh, Margaret. I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry, I can't remember who else. But we were. It was CompuWare. Uh, right. CompuWare hired Tom Arnold to do their Super Bowl Jesus. show for their customers. And or well, their corporate thing, and they hired Second City to sort of like play with him. So Tom Arnold talks to us for ten minutes, says what a huge fan he is of Second City, and he loves improvising. We're gonna have such a good time, and then he leaves. He leaves and goes to the game. The Compuware people came up to us in the holding area that they had us in, and they were they were struggling to come up with something for us to do. We they let us go by halftime. We were supposed to be there by the for the whole game and like this huge after party that they had. They had rented these these dance video games and we were supposed to like work all Hilarious. of these like things and like Tom Arnold was supposed to be like the MC of the whole day. He left. He went to the game, you know. Hilarious. And they like he just took their money and ran. But we got our money and then they let us go at halftime. So fucking, it was great. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Um during that Super Bowl, uh my buddy who was my buddy at the time, Annie Dombrowski, 
um, was a, a big time Bud Rep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they were doing the big Super Bowl party at Old Tiger Stadium. Okay, so they had this Club Fifty One Fifty or something like that set up at Old from Tiger. Van Halen. Fifty one fifty. It was some weird numbers like that. I think maybe maybe it wasn't fifty one fifty, but it was some weird numbers like that they had, and I didn't. I even think understand. that's uh, like the like the police code for insane person or something, something like that. They had some club something over there, and it was going to be at the old stadium. And he had his boss had given him two VIP passes to this thing, where it's like all you could drink, hang out, and party in the VIP area. Um, Snoop Dogg's headline in the party is going to be hanging out in the, the VIP area. Which, to me, I'm a big-time hip-hop guy. I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to be great. And then, oh, man, I'm going to get the name wrong now. I think it was somebody like uh, Puddle of Mud or Stained or somebody else was playing early on in the day. Whatever. We go to this thing, and we get there. And I just wanted to go to this old Tiger Stadium. So we can go out back, and you could like, walk out onto the field. And I'm, like, walking out to, like, where the pitcher's mouth was. It was still like, up at the time? Uh, in 2006? Um, the stadium itself was gone, but the field was still yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. And they, it's still there to this it day, is, isn't it? Now yeah. it's turned into a, the PAL Sports League thing, and they've yeah. turned into something fantastic. I, it makes my heart sing. But um, It sings? Yeah, sing. Yeah, I yeah. sing out loud that they've kept that, and they yeah. use it for U Sports and stuff. It's like yeah. nobody else in the country would do that. They'd sell that real estate for something, and I'm shocked Detroit did the right thing. But anyway, so I'm walking out there in the mountain. Like, I thought it was great, right? thought it was mm-hmm. great. Snoop never shows up. This is at the time where um, some people may remember this or not, but Budweiser was marketing a new product that was called um, Shots, or it wasn't called Juice or something. God, I can't think of the name of it. I can't think of the name of it, but there were these little things that you would get to pour into your beer. They were just ahead of the curve on the Red Bull thing. Yeah, yeah. This thing was laced with caffeine laced with caffeine and you pour it into your beer and they had all these different flavors they had hot cocoa would make your beer taste like chocolate and be laced with with caffeine which That's wasn't so that great gross, wasn't yeah. that great the other ones were like lime and there was like uh i can't even remember there's another one that was like a fruity mango or something but basically it made it kind of taste like a uh a saint ides flavor brew of the time or something mm-hmm. like that but it was laced with caffeine and we sat in there drinking those the whole damn night snoop doesn't show up stained or probably whoever's on stage and those bands are very different are they well i mean stained i think i can't remember who it was but it was one of those bands that sings along those kinds of lines i want to say i think it was puddle of mud Mm -hmm. i would bet money the stained guys like you know like really deep yeah maybe it was stained then i don't know he's up there singing and we found some football on the ground that somebody had left, and I picked it up, and I was t- <laughs> telling Andy, I'm like, I, I guarantee I could hit the singer right now. He's in the middle of the song on the mic, and I'm like, I bet I could hit him with this football right now. We're not far away. We're like 30 yards, yeah. you know what I mean? And I just remember him totally trying to talk me down and grabbing that football from him because his boss was with us. Yeah, he's a big boy, too. He's yeah. a big dude. He played O-line in college, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm going, come on, man, have my back. I'm the quarterback. You're the old line. I'm going to hit this guy. I was, I so wanted to hit that dude with that football. Was the lead singer bald, or at I least re- really short hair? Because that might, that I, might. I, uh, can't re- I, I honestly cannot remember yeah. what he was. But then I was like, no, because I wanted to walk out onto the field. So I was like, we didn't yeah. do it. Want to walk on the field? But that 06 Super Bowl was like, I thought it was crazy that we got it. Yeah. 
That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. And I like either of the teams. I mean, as a Cleveland fan, I can't stand the Steelers. And then I, I mean, not a Seahawks fan at all. But I, uh, I love Jerome Bettis because he played yeah. at Notre Dame, and I'm a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. So I really wanted Notre. I wanted Jerome Bettis to win a, uh, a ring. Uh, I love Bettis because he's from Detroit, Mackenzie High bus. School. Yeah. I had my bus jersey on for that game. We had to uh, be like half of us had to be Pittsburgh and half of us had to be Seattle. So like we had, they got us T-shirts oh, and stuff. Right. So I actually had a terrible towel and a Pittsburgh. You know, as long as you're wearing the bus, though, you're supporting yeah, the guy. Yeah. yeah. Which is where I find myself more in sports now is like supporting players than teams. Other than my my teams are my teams. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. Like I, because everybody obviously plays fantasy football and stuff like that. And I played for a couple of seasons, and I absolutely can't do it because, especially living out here, and like I have the Sunday ticket and stuff, and I'm like I sit down and I watch Cleveland, and then. I was getting to the point where, like, on commercials, I was flipping over to other games and this, that, the other, and trying to see stats. And I just wasn't – I didn't really feel like I was invested in the game I wanted to watch. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm spending all this money so I can watch Cleveland. And I'm flipping it all around. You know, and obviously Cleveland, you know, you can flip on that team, you know, and and not miss too much. Maybe them getting scored on up until now, you know, when they're they're on their way up. But – uh, I I would rather just sit and watch the game and not worry about anything else other than just watching the game. Right. You know what I mean? So I stopped playing fantasy and stuff, and now uh, it's it's cathartic to just sit there for three and a half, four hours and just watch the game, especially yeah. when they were losing. It's fine. For you know? sure. Yeah. Where do you think they're going to land this year? Let's jump into some Browns. Um, there I I. Th- you know, I mean, the the fan in me says I think we're going all the way to the Super Bowl. They're gonna get McCoy. Yeah. The uh, they they already did not. They, oh, they already did not. He went happen? to Carolina. Uh, end of last week. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. I completely missed. Yeah, that. yeah. Already did not. No, I that sucks too. And I would love to know the reasoning of uh, of why he chose Carolina because you know that's a team that's on its way down, where Cleveland's on its way up, and then yeah. it's young and full of talent like. Money. Uh, probably it, money. Probably money. That's all you it know. is anymore. Uh, but even that, like, why not? I mean, this team's going to be super fun. The, the Browns, they're going to be super fun to watch this super next fun. season. Super fun. The offense is going to be off the fucking yeah. chains. The defense, like the defense we... defense is going to be the unsung hero, I think. Yeah. I think we're the still, defense is we're loaded. St- they're, they're, the defense is loaded except for the, the safeties. Like, Peppers was just coming into his own... Right. Uh, that we don't have a, a safety to replace him yet. The and our corners are rookies. Like, uh, but um, my man played really well last year. Mm-hmm. I would not call him a sophomore. Oh, yeah, on the field Ward. This year. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Ward. Ward is Ward has proved himself last year. I mean, he played phenomenal. Like that pick. I, I you know, like I did the the podcast this podcast with Andy St. Clair last year when we were talking about the draft and. I was like, oh, my God, they can't pick somebody else at that four, number four. And, mm-hmm. wow, were they right? Yeah, yeah. Because kid played well. Yeah, great. I Look, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer now in everything that, that Dorsey does. I'm a believer now. I mean, yeah. That guy can evaluate talent, yeah. and he puts the guys on the field that, that want to be there and wants to play, and he gets yeah. rid of the ones that yeah. don't. You know what I mean? So I have no problem with what he's right. done. 
there. Yeah, yeah. And I completely support what he's done. Because, you know, he assembled that Kansas City team, yeah. and now he's gone. Absolutely. So the Kansas City, who is probably on paper looking like they're going to do, you know, a, a nice run towards the Super Bowl themselves I mean, in the AFC this year, yeah. they have Dorsey to thank for that, but now he's with us. So... You know, maybe if yeah. it's not this year, it'll be the year after, the year after I think, that. I think they're doing a really, yeah. really great job. And, you know, I made this point last year that I feel like they're primed to take over in a division that is aging. Mm-hmm. Every team in this division is aging yeah, yeah. badly while this team is on the uprise. And, I mean, on the outside of a couple of uh, calls that the NFL agreed were egregious last year, that team should have made the playoffs. Oh, hey, but yeah, that's that's a, that would throw me into they a fucking had tailspin nine of anger. Wins. They yeah, should have yeah. had nine easy, wins. Easy, easy, easy. Yeah, they should have had nine yeah. wins. I think they're going to win the division this year. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I mean, think the Steelers are going to be really tough competition. I think the Steelers are going to be cream of the crop still in the division, and they're going to need to be knocked off because they played smart front office business. They knew. That they were losing uh, Bell, that was a foregone conclusion. And they knew that this Antonio Brown thing, he was going to need to move on. So they did what teams do, and they pin all the bad juju on those two guys. Mm-hmm. And they sell that to the locker room, that it was a culture thing, and these two guys were the problem. And when those guys leave, the locker room rallies around, hey, those guys are gone now, we're great again now, and they're going to buy into that. That's good front office business. But you think Schuster is a as good a receiver? As, I think as... Juju is going to be yeah. – he's not going to be – I mean, you can't replace a guy like Antonio Brown best in the league, but I think Juju's not going to be a big fall-off. Best in the AFC at the time, Yeah, Antonio Brown. He's not Odell Beckham good. Um, I think he's been better than Odell Beckham, hands down. I mean, Odell's, I mean, put their numbers up against each other and put Odell yeah, but what that's, he's done up against. That's I mean, uh, Manning. Now now he's going to have a gunslinger. But, so we're going to see the numbers this year. I mean, yeah. that's great. I hope Odell does yeah. well because, you know, I, I like the Browns as well. I hope he does really well. But to say that he's been better than Brown, I would say not a chance. Well, again, I think he's a better receiver. He just did not have the same quarterback as He may have a better yeah. skill set. Yeah. Well, that, but that don't mean shit. Right. If the quarterback can't get you the ball, he can't get you the ball. Right. And Manning and hasn't been able to get anybody the I ball I would agree with you yeah. if this was a guy who was playing with, like, uh, Fitzpatrick or something for a couple of years. That's a guy that's up and down or something. But you we're playing with a guy who's a bona fide Hall of Famer, two Super Bowls. Right. Last year, he had a better completion percentage than he ever had in his whole career. I can't take the argument that... Manning is so bad that Odell couldn't be good. He was he wasn't throwing long balls last season. That's what they, I mean. That's what they were saying. I mean, okay, yeah. okay. He wasn't I mean, throwing over that. twenty yards. You I'll know? take that. But yeah. like, it wasn't it ain't like Big Ben's throwing a whole lot of a long ball. A lot of lot of he, run after the catch for Antonio. Yeah, but a lot of just as I mean, far as Roethlisberger can throw him as well too. Yeah. Ain't that far anymore. <laughs> Oh, it's still 60 yards easy. Yeah, yeah. my guess. But I just yeah. like Antonio's a better receiver to me. We'll see after this season where you feel about yeah. it. Yeah. Because oh, well, Mayfield's going to be slinging that thing all over the place. I, and I hope Odell does. Two of the greatest awesome. receivers playing right now, and then a slot receiver, Callaway, that's as fast as both of them, you know, yeah. and young. I, I hope they do well. Yeah. But there is no hole in 
the receiving core on that team at all anywhere you know no in joku like they're the tight end he has some hands problems but this is the thing though he always stepped it up when he needed to in big games the when he would do his drops was always when the game you know like he wasn't being motivated but like these guys are going to motivate motivate each other like nobody's business and joku also had one-handed grabs in the end zone no and stuff he, as he's, well. a, he's a player that would make phenomenal grab one so second he just and then needs that second to, would drop yeah yeah player. so he needs he needs to be inspired yeah. i think this team's gonna inspire yeah, him i think all these guys are gonna inspire each other i think chubb is gonna fucking go off i think yeah. if if duke I stays know. i think duke is gonna be a great third down receiver here's where i think is gonna be a, yeah. a, a, a this may be an unpopular uh opinion but mm-hmm. I don't think they should have brought Kareem Hunt in. Well, he had Chubb playing so well, and the yeah. guy's ready to take the reins. And now, not only by bringing Hunt in, do you bring in this nonsense that you don't need mm-hmm. with what the guy did. You don't need the surrounding a team that's on the uprise. You don't need the shit in the locker room. But number two, you are now going to be splitting reps between him and Chubb. Well, this also isn't going to happen for eight games, you know, sure. half the season. And sure. if Chubb's, you know, doing great, no, nobody's stupid enough to, to interrupt that if he's playing great, you know. In this day and age, they are. But it, here, what I'm saying is if we're eight games in and, and there's an injury or something and they need it, you've got this great running back that's just no, ready that's, to go eight weeks into sure. the season, that's you know, sure. like. Uh, and also, like, you know, Dorsey has a soft spot for him because he brought him into KC. And I certainly don't condone anything that he's done, and he deserves every bit of the suspension no, he got, if not either. more. But and, it's and not my job to suspend him. Let me be him. clear, yeah, too, yeah. about saying that yeah. um, I'm not a big fan of domestic anything violence. Anything that that guy did. Yeah. Believe me, I, that is the most. You are not a fan of domestic violence. You have told me that before. the most fucking yeah. bullshit yeah, yeah. that could have been done. I think the Browns are going to win the division this year. Yeah, I, I mean, if we if we aren't in the AFC Championship game this year, I would be surprised. I would I would be surprised if they're not the number two seed in the <laughs> AFC. Because again, the team as it was last year should have been nine and seven. Who do you think, think the team that's going to be over them is? Patriots. Yeah. Patriots. I don't care how old Tom Brady is. They got Bill Belichick. Yeah, and Bill Belichick used the Cleveland Browns head coach. When the I mean, team left for if Baltimore, if they could have hung out a little longer and gave them some time, but I, I, I think it'd be probably the Patriots. I don't know, could be. In the biggest what if of all time, Art Modell doesn't lose millions of dollars being a poor businessman, a Trumpian businessman that he was, where the city was paying for most of his bills, but yet he was still losing money. He doesn't pick up and move the team to Baltimore, but Bill Belichick is the head coach of Cleveland. They stay in Cleveland. He assembles all of those people that would eventually become the Patriots assistant coaches and everybody that he had would have drafted. Yeah. Ray, uh, yeah. Ray Lewis would have been the first draft pick yeah. defensively for the Cleveland Browns the very next season. Yeah. Uh, the Baltimore's Super Bowls and all the Patriots' Super Bowls yeah. would have all been Cleveland's yeah. Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah. And if you didn't have balls, you'd be your uncle. Yeah. Wait, what? And if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. Yeah, <laughs> That's well. how that goes. <laughs> if ifs were fifths, it'd be Christmas every yeah. goddamn day. I agree with you. Yeah, you know, yeah. I do. But it's like, who knows what would have happened? Who knows? Brown and orange would have had all those rings, maybe. Man, and yeah. could have been. Yeah, yeah. Could have been. 
Um, let's jump into to, to just some quick wrestling. We got man, we went so long on the football stuff mm-hmm. because we're football nuts, mm-hmm. but um, the wrestling stuff. So big time wrestling fans, both of us. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I quite finished saying what Flying Chuck was all about, too. Cause I don't it, think you did. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so Flying Chuck is uh, an improv group that was created by myself and the John Hennigan, who most people would know is John Morrison from WWE, uh, Johnny Impact from Impact Wrestling, yeah. Johnny Rogue from Rogue Wrestling. John, it, like his name now is Slam Johnny Town from Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, whatever promotion he's working for at this point. But uh, I met him, you know, a couple of years after I lived here in uh, in L.A. Uh, and we started improvising together. And then we met, well, he already knew him. But then I met Ryan Nemeth, who is uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother, who right. was in uh, developmental for WWE. So we started what was just an improv show. We actually started doing the format of uh, a group of improvisers, including John and Ryan, and Ryan's a pretty seasoned improviser as well. He went through classes at I.O. Chicago and stuff. Uh, John is more, he, he's a more of a feel-it-out improviser, not uh, classically trained. Uh, but, you know, wrestling is improv, so he sort of has yeah, that in his sure. back pocket. Um, we have a, a host from wrestling come, we do an Armando, which is where you have the, the wrestling guest Uh, tells a story and then we improvise based off of those stories we bring them out a few times and then we improvise for the rest of the time and we've been running that show for three years i think now at this point yeah in that format uh we've had great wrestlers we've had you know chavo guerrero we've had uh x-pac we've had victoria we've had you know uh roddy piper well that that he actually didn't do this show I worked with him for a different show at Second City. Oh, okay. They did like this weekly news show there for a while. That's actually kind of a funny story. Uh, so very quickly with that. So that's aside from Flying Chuck. So Flying Chuck, I love it. We do that still to this day. But yeah. that news show, they would do. They would get a celebrity to come in there, and they would try to do like an SNL with them once a week. And George Kaliotis, who's a great guy, I don't see enough of him anymore. But he is a Second City Cleveland alum moved out here and he started producing the show where they would get a celebrity to come in host for the week. They would had a group of writers just try to fucking put as much material as they could. Ron West was usually the director. They'd do a long rehearsal on Saturday, put the show up Saturday night. Uh, Laundry list of celebrities come in and, you know, I would see it and I would like their pictures or whatever. And then all of a sudden I see them post that Roddy Piper was going to be their guest this next week. So I emailed George and Ron West and I was like, Hey man, I'm in this show this week. So let me know what I need to do. And I, I literally am like, I'm in it. So, you know, let's, let's figure this out. You know what I mean? So they emailed me back and they were like, all right, you want to do it? You know what I mean? Cool. Well, we're going to meet at this thing and, you know, submit scripts and stuff like that. But I literally, I wasn't going to take no as an answer. I'm like, Piper's in the show. I'm going to do it. So I submitted some scripts and I got some stuff in and, you know, got to meet him, spend the whole day with him on Saturday. And we exchanged contact information. I actually was in contact with him for a good long time uh, up until he passed. Uh, 
I wanted him to do Flying Chuck, and I actually pitched it to him a few times yeah. if the schedule would have ever lined up. And he said he was interested in doing it, but, you know, ah, it didn't make it. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. A funny story about that show, too. All right, I'm 6'2". I'm over 200 pounds. I'm taller than Piper, especially after you know sure. before he passed away. Because sure. he, he, uh, he was pretty thin, I guess, yeah, it, it wouldn't knock him to say that he was pretty thin and pretty small, you know, by the time that he was an older man. Yeah. Uh, but I had told him how much of a wrestling fan I, I, I was and that we talked a lot that day. But we went, when we went through the dress rehearsal, there was this one scene that would require him to put me in a sleeper hold. And I told him, I'm like, that was one of his finishing maneuvers. I'm like, I'd be honored to take a sleeper hold from you. So we were doing the dress rehearsal, and I don't know if it was like a nom flashback or something of just him being behind a guy that was of my size and him just flashing back to whatever, but he had grabbed me in the stiffest sleeper hold. Like, he was literally choking me. He was choking me. He knocked a contact lens out of my eye because he was so rough with the top, you know, the top arm part of it. I was seconds away from passing out for real in the rehearsal and I uh you know got me down to the ground blah 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 they were like seen blah 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 I hopped right back up I'm I'm literally coughing I'm like <clears throat> I'm like oh what an honor what an honor honestly that was great shook hands with him he fucking loved me after that he loved yeah, me yeah. after that because what trying, he was he's doing old school he's yeah. trying to let you know that this shit is real yeah and yep. he was he was telling me like if you would have bitched about that I would have known that you were a puss right. and he goes since you're not a puss you and i are going to be friends now and That's he was great. from that from that moment on in that rehearsal it was just it was literally like me him and his son together for the rest of the time that's great like he wouldn't go anywhere without the both of us you know what i mean so they were like oh take a break he'd be like colt brett come on and like we would go to this different room and we'd sit and talk for a while while everybody else is going to do whatever and that night you know it's like in his waiting area, they had one room set up just for him. It was just me and Colt and him in that room the entire time, just waiting for the show to go on because he had like this new respect, you know, that he wouldn't have right. had if I yeah. would have bitched. Right. In the actual body of the show, when that scene came up, I was ready for it. I was ready for it if it was going to be stiff. I swear to God, it, it, he put that on me as if I was a newborn baby. I couldn't feel anything, <laughs> anything. <laughs> But he, if you look, there's even pictures of it. If you look, it looks like he's strangling the hell out of me, and I'm selling the hell out of it. I'm like, ah, ah. There was nothing. There was no pressure at all on my neck at all. And he was showing me. He's like, I could kill you with this, or I could make it this easy. You know what I mean? And he is a he was an old school guy, man. And he that he was testing me to see if I was really on the level or not. You know, so. That was pretty cool. That's I love awesome. That. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Listen, let's say who's your top five all time. Now it doesn't have to be yeah. listen, the criteria here is not who's the greatest wrestlers of all time. You don't have to throw undertakers in there. I'm saying for yeah. you, who are guys that if you take that all into consideration, your favorites and who really furthered the business and were the greatest and did great things. I, I will say this. I, I have a, I have a hard time with five, but I will say this. Hogan is one. He's one for me. He's a, He's why I loved wrestling. He's why I got into it. He's okay. everything I loved about the business as a kid. 
even up into Hollywood Hogan. I fucking love that. Like, he, certainly not the greatest wrestler, nothing. But I'm like, he is the reason why I became a professional wrestling fan. It's hard to argue against anything. So I would say he's one, that's it. Because I would be lying if I said that anybody else is the reason why I was a wrestling fan. Yeah. He is the reason. Yeah. After that, man, the dominoes sort of fall. Andre, Macho Man, Bret the Hitman, you know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I was a huge tag team fan growing up. So, like, the British Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation, Bulldogs I loved and them. The Heart Foundation was uh, great. You know, Jimmy Snuka, I, you know, like, they're, that's why it's so hard for me to just pin. Andre the Giant was huge for me as well. I yeah. used to love Andre as a good guy, definitively thought that he was going to beat Hogan at WrestleMania 3. I was like, there's no way he can beat him. As an adult, now so further good. on, I'm like he—he so he was essentially out of you know, lift him up out of a stretcher. He goes yeah. to do the match, put him back in the stretcher at the end, like if like he was hobbled. But that even goes to show you how good of a match yeah. Hogan got right, out of right. him. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's great. But that WrestleMania three main event was was I I was completely bought into the WrestleMania two main event with Bundy and like the ribs and Hogan's ribs were shot. You know like. I, I bought it all, man. I all loved it. it. Yeah, all of it. You bought all that shit when yeah. you were a kid. But I, yeah, five. It, like, you know, I love Flair and I love Georgia Championship Wrestling. You know, WCW. Sure, you sure. know, Turner Network. You know, all, before it was WCW, like what ended up competing with WWE. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, Georgia Championship Wrestling. I mean, yes, like you know, Superstation yep, TBS. Yep, yep. You know, like the Saturday mornings with with. Uh, uh, Tony Schiavone like doing that thing and like Flair coming out and doing it and uh, Nikita Koloff and like so all of that was stuff was great but it was like even back then it's like WWE had all the pageantry and they just seemed more like a national show yeah. whereas whereas Georgia Championship Wrestling it's like they had that set where everybody would be like all right you want my television title you know next Saturday and you know we're going to we're going to go for it and then that you'd literally in 1 second they left that booth and they were in the ring because it was a it was a yes. you know a little TV studio that was set up for interviews over here you walk into where the audience is on three sides but the hard camera side there's nobody there right. so they would walk over from the interview portion and go get into the ring and it just as much as they did is to try to make that look full on tv it just never looked like there was anybody there and so wwe always had like i'm like this is this is the a operation and everything else is b and c you know what i mean so even though i love georgia championship wrestling and i often when i when i've been a network subscriber since wwe network subscriber since it came out uh, I'll go back and I'll watch the old ones, the the Georgia Championship Wrestlings, because those are the ones that really sort of like I remember because when wrestling was over, like WWE wrestling F at the time, and I would still be able to find on Turner that, yeah. you know, like, the, yeah. and I'd be able to watch Flair and Sting and all those guys there. And I'm like, this is all really good over here, too. So You're Flair great. and Sting were always great. Road Warriors were great over there. Nikita Koloff I loved over there. Dusty Rhodes. I mean, like, there's... Dusty Rhodes is hilarious. There's, it, there's so many great five. guys. There's That's so why I'm guys. just saying one is Hogan, and then I my my four after that can change a lot, depending on Who, what I've been watching. Favorite? Outside of Hogan, like, who's your favorite guy that you were just like, I just always loved those... Give me two. Yeah. I just always loved those guys as a kid. I rooted for them. 
I didn't give a shit about what everybody else thought about him. Like for me, it was absolutely uh, George Animal Steel yeah, yeah. and Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Like those are two guys for me. I like I was just like those guys. I loved. I met, I told you I met Junkyard Dog briefly uh, before the Survivor Series in '87. No. Really? Yeah. Uh, we we yeah super briefly, but we. Uh, you know, it was Thanksgiving night, 1987. My dad surprised us at the Thanksgiving dinner table and told us we have tickets for this for Richfield Coliseum. Richfield Coliseum is way outside of downtown Cleveland. So we're in Bay Village. We're 10, 12 minutes on the west side of Cleveland, and Richfield Coliseum is way on the east, like southeast part of Cleveland. Yeah, I yeah. think southeast, but it's certainly on the eastern part. So we're like, oh, ha, ha, great. Finish up your dinner. We got to go. So we booked, but we were still running a little late. So we had gotten there, and we parked on the wrong side of where we needed to enter in. So we're walking around the building, and a leather jacket guy with a like a bowler, not bowler, a newsboy hat oh, yeah. comes around the other side. Yeah. We sort of like pass each other as if any people would pass each other. And I go, Dad, that's Junkyard Dog. And he goes, what? I go, that's Junkyard Dog. And my dad goes, JYD. He turns around, and we end up talking to him for like three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And he comes over and he's like, hey, man, how you guys doing? Dude, man. Yeah. And he he was super nice, and and we didn't get pictures with him because I don't even think we brought a camera with him. That's how like ramshackle this going to this was. And nobody had cell phones or anything back then. So we just talked to him for a little bit, and he was there in case somebody got hurt, and he'd because he wasn't on the card at all. So, oh, no. you know, but that's the thing. They even do that now. Like, all the guys not on the card are still backstage in case something happens. You yeah. know, like, you know, your fandangos and stuff, they're still backstage, you know, like, and they're ready to go if somebody gets hurt and they need somebody, they need to make a quick match or something. So he was back there ready to go if they needed him, but he was running late, you know. So he talked to us for a little bit and went in. So that was great. Uh, He was super nice. Because I've gotten a chance to meet a lot of these guys. And a lot of them that I've met, not necessarily just old school, but even the current guys. It's like, I'm glad that a lot of them are nice. They really are nice. Yeah, yeah. Very few of them have been dicks. Very few. Right. Um, So when you meet your heroes, you know, it's that whole thing of like, be careful about meeting your heroes. You know what I mean? Because you may not think too much of them. So uh, I'm I'm very happy to say that a lot of the guys that I've met in professional wrestling and ladies have been super great. You know, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, where was I going with that? We were just hung top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just two guys that. So I, I love JYD too. Two guys too. that were your favorites, you know. Like for me, you know, again, you know, George Animal Steel. Yeah. And and obviously JYD. Yeah. For me, my number one is Macho. Yeah, I love Macho, Macho Man. Is my number one. If it, another it, guy on know. that five would would probably yeah. be Macho. Macho Man is good. Good guy and bad guy. I thought he was fantastic. Oh my god! Yeah. Just played both sides of the mm-hmm. fence and just, like he was phenomenal phenomenal man. he was the only guy i thought that like you know hogan was leaving to go do movies and he passed the reins to macho you know what i mean and that was what he was going to do yeah. he's like let randy take it i think he can i think he has the shoulders for it and randy did, did. you know what i mean <laughs> and it, that was a run that nobody was like he shouldn't have had it because he i mean he wasn't a heavyweight oh. you know or super heavyweight because no. vince loves super heavyweights yeah. he loves the really big guys right. but randy was probably the closest to what a champion now would be like yeah. a guy that's about 240 you know 235 yeah, yeah. 240 
you know, super athletic, super, you know, uh, trim. Right on the mic, yeah. awesome oh, with yeah, the crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but he, without Randy, you don't get Bret Hart. You don't get, you sure. don't get Shawn Michaels. You don't sure. get those guys. Because Vince needed to be convinced that a guy like that size could could be believable as the champion. You know what yeah. I mean? So Randy did a lot to, to further the business, I think, into what eventually became the Attitude Era. And certainly the Bret Hart, sure. Shawn Michaels, sure, sure. you know, the, the smaller guy being the champion and then beating Giants. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. yep. Uh, there's great stuff about how Andre hated he hated Macho Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that he would really physically beat him up during matches and stuff. And it, it was f- some of the stuff I've seen where, like, because uh, Macho obviously would oil himself up. And Hogan would do it, too. But Hogan was always good about washing all the oil off before he actually would go out and, and wrestle. And if, Mach- if uh, Andre felt you were still oiled up when you came out there he would give you an extra hard time and stuff and he'd be like no oil and he would he would you know open palm flare chop you and stuff like that because as much as he was dilapidated i mean the guy still had giant strength you know what i mean yeah i mean he had you know a genetic disorder that made him freakishly strong i mean and i andre was big too for me too like Good guy Andre, I loved good guy Andre, which made me love bad guy Andre. Yeah. The, the how I hated bad guy Andre was because I loved him so much as a good guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I go back and I watch the matches now, and I'm like, yeah. I can see they his try back to make injury. The turn you know what I mean? With so yeah. many guys throughout history, and there's only so many that have done it so well. Like Andre did it. So well, mm-hmm. Hogan. Oh yeah, yeah. Did it probably the best? I, I, yeah, I don't think. I don't think know there if was... anybody's done it better than Hogan. No, there never a better heel turn in the history no, of pro wrestling. Never, yeah. never. And I don't think it could ever happen again because I don't think anybody would be invested in the product as much as they were then. You know, nope. the no. NWO before they lost control of that was, I mean, turning Hogan a bad guy was, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was a brilliant genius yeah. move. I mean, it was crazy. I can remember in college in the dorm rooms where it would be Monday night and you'd be like paying attention to Raw because Rock and Stone Cold were so big at the time. But you would also be like, I can't not watch NWO. And at the same time, you were like, somebody else get a third TV going because I got to know who the fuck's winning on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that ended up, I don't know if you've watched the the Monday Night Raw uh versus nitro like the 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 monday night wars documentary that they do on the network but they had talked about like it was actually wcw's fault that that wwe started winning that war again because uh wwe wasn't doing live uh shows anymore so wcw was finding out the results of their matches and then broadcasting them on their shows live and be like, we're the only live wrestling show right now. And I'll tell you how we know that. If you were over on Raw right now, you'd know that Mick Foley was about ready to win the WWE Championship, blah, blah, blah. They're, at that moment, millions of people switched off WCW and went to over to Raw. Watch. And then they ended up staying there 
because they were like, so oh, Mick stupid. Foley's the champion. Now we were going to keep watching the show. So it was actually WCW shot them their own selves in the Big foot. Big time they yeah, did yeah. because you're, you're like, oh, does everybody not know this is predetermined? We're going to tell you what you could go to another channel and watch happen right, right. now. But it's, could you imagine that? They on used NFL to do Sunday it. If yeah, I told yeah. you, like, oh, I know you're watching the Panthers game right now, but yeah. I tell you what, if you weren't paying attention to the Lions, they're about to win on a Hail Mary play. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd go, go watch see it. it. You'd go see it. That's yeah. stupid. But then they stupid. loved the McFoley winning the belt, you know, so they, they ended yeah, up staying they, there and watching that. Watch totally made sense to me. Yeah, totally it's great. That me. Monday Night Wars thing is a really cool documentary. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. i have to check that out. But hey, listen, man, uh, thanks for doing the show. Just wanted to tell you, it's been great. We're definitely going to do another one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some more. Jeez. We got to dive deeper into this, a lot of this. I would love it. I would love it. No, this has been a lot of fun. I can't even believe how long we've been doing this. We need to do a straight up, like, all wrestling episode. Sounds good. probably what we need to do. Sounds good. You know what I mean? So we'll do that, man. And and, uh, we'll do it next time. But hey, man, thanks for doing the show. We'll see you next time. No problem. Thanks, buddy. All right, brother. Bye.